Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain, Bradley Burrows and guests. Welcome to the NZ Tech Podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How you guys doing? Uh, we've got um, myself, Paul Spain. Who else have we got there? Uh, Skip Parker back in the studio. And you've got Bradley Burrows live from TechEd. I've just run up the road. So, yeah, all very hyped and excited. Excellent, excellent. Oh, that's good. Now, um, we're uh, we're going to try and race through it uh, tonight because, um, well, it's been it's been a big day and there's uh, there's the rest of the week's uh, got a lot happening with uh, with TechEd. And uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll try and race through it, but let's see how we go. Now, Brad, you've uh, you've just you've just saying you've just come from uh, from TechEd. That opens tomorrow morning, but you've been down there the last few days just getting set up, right? Yeah, I've been helping uh, build it all up with the team down there. And um, look, not to blow my own trumpet, but it looks amazing. It looks really good down there. Um, they've actually. I think what they've learned from the last few years is they've given, they're trying to give a really good digital experience with the budgets that they've got. Um, there are video screens and TVs and content everywhere. The marketplace is gone. It doesn't exist anymore. It's now called The Hub. Oh. And what they've done there is they've got a smaller amount of ven- vendors with larger areas to play. And um, as a person that's designed the Microsoft stand this year, the Microsoft stand is freaking huge. <laughs> it's a monster. <laughs> and we've got more gear coming in tomorrow at midday. So whatever you see, if you are going to TechEd and you are listening to this at TechEd, there is more coming in through the few days. Um, yeah, look, I don't even know where to start. Where do you want me to start, Paul? Well, well, look, well no, that, that's good. That gives us a bit of an insight. We'll, uh, we'll come back on to, uh, to TechEd as we get into the, uh, into the show tonight. Uh, but, yeah, great to yeah, hear cool. how that's going. Um, and Skip, you've got everything up and running with our uh, our live stream and live chat for uh, for the listeners that don't know. Uh, each week with the podcast, as well as being able to listen to it through the the usual iTunes and Zoom and through your uh, your, your your phone or your, you know your PC and so on. After we record it, we also do a live stream uh, in conjunction with the guys at GeekZone, and uh, there's a live chat and a live audio stream. So uh, you've got that up and running now, haven't you, Skip? We do, and the really funny thing about it is that uh, as you were talking about TechEd there, uh, Brad, one of the guys misheard you and thought you were talking about Windows Phone 7 and thought the marketplace is now the hub. What's going on here? Of course, those, those are two very key terms on the Windows Phone 7, so you threw a bit of confusion there for a second. I, I do. Well, we uh, we will do a bit, but we're going to be naughty. No, I am, because Mark's not here. We're going to talk about, uh, we've got some Windows Phone 7 devices here, which will describe, Paul's seen them via the web camera, and I can describe them, and if you want to come and see them tomorrow, we'll talk about them a bit later. But these are prototype engineering builds, which are going to be very, first time in the world, I think we're going to be showing these off, so it's going to be quite fun. That's great. That's really cool. I'm going to keep plugging um, all night, you know that, don't you? Now, now um, sit down, Brad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, now, HP, they've been, uh, they've been taking up a huge amount of the news in the, la- in the last few days. Uh, you know, last week we were, uh, we, were, we were saying how pleased we were that they had listened to our pleas and had dropped the price on the, uh, the touchpad <laughs> in New Zealand just a few hours after we asked them to. Um, now, something that we didn't ask for were the announcements that came through uh, at the end of last week. Yeah, so um, obviously, I think the rule of thumb is um, if you review something, you break it. If Skip reviews something, they discontinue the product. <laughs> it's just the way it works. Oh, look, it, I'm, I'm really sad about this because so it actually is a good product. It's brilliant. I, I think HP's kind of 
run with the horse of the gate a little bit on this one, I think. That's going to be an interesting conversation on the HP stand down at TechEd tomorrow because it's a very <laughs> big stand. And, and obviously, I have HP in my building. Um, and it was kind of sad to see literally... Um, as I was coming in the office that morning, and I think Paul, you were you and Skipper texting me saying, "Have you seen? Have you seen?" There were people running around outside, ripping down the banners that they had hanging out the windows. Oh wow! Right. And it was literally that urgent. And I, I know a little birdies told me that they were eighty percent under the way with a huge competition for um, development developers for um, the universities. Okay. And they were literally about to start handing out all this money to these kids that have been developing on WebOS. And they've had to pull a plug on that as well. So it's not just the, the phone. It's the impact of the brand and everything of HP as, as a whole company. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of sad, really. It really is. Oh, it is. It is sad news. And, uh, you know, the, the um, you know, the discussion that, that we had on the show a couple of weeks ago with uh, with one of the chaps from HP. And, you know, he was in the process of uprooting his family and, and moving to Singapore to run that you know particular division across Asia. So, you know, there will be there'll be a really large fallout from this. But it, it is really sad to see that um, touchpad and the web OS is uh, is, you know, pretty much being um being dumped by Hewlett Packard, so uh, yeah, sad, sad news there. I mean, interestingly, you know, this week we've seen. Uh, well, over the weekend we saw uh, uh, the price of the the remaining touchpads that were available in the US drop to uh, ninety nine dollars for the <laughs> sixteen gig model and one hundred and forty nine for uh, the thirty two gig. And then we saw similar things in Australia and then today in New Zealand. Uh, in fact, those that were following. Um, NZ Tech Podcast on Twitter would have been the first uh, first to hear that that price drop was also coming to New Zealand when we uh, uh, announced that that yesterday. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been pretty crazy. But in the end, they've sold a lot of touchpads, right? I think all of them. <laughs> yeah, but look, the, the, the flip side of this whole thing is that if you some of the on the wires last week, Best Buys were handing thousands of them back. So Best Buys, if you uh, one of the, uh, I was listening to some other shows, and, and they were saying that Best Buys they just couldn't get rid of them because of the price. That, yeah. This is before the announcement. So Best Buys were returning them apparently, like in the droves, and now it's all changed around. And and I was uh, on the phone this morning because I wanted to get myself a, one of these cheap tablets. I I rang JB Hi-Fi and they told me point blank, just well, no, we sent them back a couple of weeks ago. We just sent them back to HP. We don't want them. So they um, they clearly wanted to get rid of the product as well. Yeah, I heard of I heard of stores that yesterday were packing them up and and sending them back. And I guess there's potential to, for fallout for people that buy the product and maybe are disappointed because you know maybe the app store closes down and various other sort of things happen over time with it. So uh, yeah, that that's understandable. Uh, there were a few hundred uh, with distributors in New Zealand uh, yesterday. And you know, as soon as that price drop was announced, those, uh, uh, in fact, I think even before it was, you know, any more public than what we covered off via our Twitter feed, uh, those were gone. And in fact, this morning, we emailed uh, the official sort of press channels for HP here in New Zealand yesterday, asking for you know what the official detail was on a price drop. And by the time they emailed us at about ten or eleven this morning. Of course, you know, the deals were done and all the stock was gone. So, uh, yeah, sorry to anyone that missed out that would have been keen for a uh, hundred and... How much were they? hundred and twenty-nine dollar... Uh, um, yeah, the 16 uh, gig... Yeah, 16 gig was, I think, 129. So, yeah. yeah. 
Now, HP also announced that they're looking at spinning off their PC business as well. When they very similar move to what IBM did with uh, with their ThinkPads and stuff to Lenovo. Yeah, but I, I think we've got to be careful on this one because I've actually reread the official press release. Right, and they said a consideration would be to look at the business model of their PC division and other parts of that entertainment sector and look at see whether they would uh, have it as a separate business. Right, okay. So they haven't actually said we're going to spin it off. Um, it, what's come out with a lot of the media is that they suddenly said, oh, HP's getting rid of their PC division. Ah! And then all the people have gone, oh, my God, HP. So and they might do it, but I think we've got to be very careful that a comment doesn't get twisted into their selling versus they're looking at what they can do. Yeah. Now, the other thing is um, I uh, I read also in the, and bundled in on this Friday press release was their purchase of a company in the UK yes. called Autonomy. Now, I've actually had a look at Autonomy for the work that I do within the broadcasting area, and Autonomy actually has an incredible tool for being able to uh, manage large-scale amounts of data in form of video and and audio and that sort of stuff in this really cool sort of uh, enterprise class management system. So uh, HP have really done a good job here. I mean, they've brought in a very, very impressive company. Yeah, but they wasted $1.2 billion on WebOS. And they spent uh, $10 billion or was it, it was about $10 billion for uh, for this UK firm. And the interesting thing is uh, this firm, which was the second biggest software maker in the in the UK, which most of us had never heard of, admittedly, uh, they've spent well. Whether they've wasted it or not, I guess is up for debate. But I think, yeah, based on their share price falling by twenty percent on uh, Friday in the US, it, it suggests that people weren't too pleased uh, with these changes being announced, including that acquisition. I mean, it seems that uh, you know they've they've possibly spent up to 10 times more than what other people might have rated that software firm as being worth. So it, it, make, is, it makes Microsoft's um, it makes Microsoft's purchase of Skype of $8 billion not too bad then. Hey, look, the billions are the new millions. <laughs> <laughs> but um, autonomy... In your bank account, Skip. No, but, uh, oh, only I wish, I wish. But, yeah, I mean, if you, if you know the autonomy product, you will be quite impressed because autonomy is a product that sits in the back offices of some rather large corporate um, broadcasters and stuff like that and they it is a very good product so the only problem is that in terms of public awareness they wouldn't have a clue yeah but um it is a very 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 good product so one interesting thing you also mentioned was that the share prices um it's interesting to see google and microsoft share price went up as soon as the HP announcement came through. Now, obviously, everything's gone down with the bad week that followed. It seems to be all over, all, all yeah. over the uh, place at the moment, doesn't it? Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the things we'll chat about a little bit later is um, LinkedIn. And, uh, yeah, the, you know, they've been, they've been one of those sort of going up and up and down since, uh, since they launched onto the stock market three months ago. And, uh, yeah, Microsoft, HP, Google, Apple, uh, and most other firms have, you know, been just been going up and down as as the uh, as the stock market seems to uh, uh, rise and fall over over the last few months in particular it's uh, uh, it's 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 crazy now what else have we got on the agenda um, one one interesting thing uh, around the touchpad that that's been going around on the message boards and being discussed a lot is the possibility of Android being ported across to it so um, those that are you know picking these things up for dirt cheap, 
uh, are certainly hoping that uh, within the next few days or weeks there will be a way to uh, uh, to put Android onto them, which would make for a uh, a very uh, nice little device, and I guess um, would broaden the capabilities of it. There's certainly not a an Android device on the market at that sort of uh, price point of of any sort of uh, you know great quality. Windows eight. Well, and that, and that was mm. the other thought. If you could squeeze Windows 8 onto one of them, then, uh, Easily. you know, um, that, that would be very nice. But, uh, I mean, we have to wait and see how uh, how flexible that OS is and uh, um, and so on. But uh, for now, Brad, we'll take your comment that Windows 8 will squeeze <laughs> Thank you. It's an official Microsoft comment. <laughs> and, no, thank uh, you. Uh, That's oh, a per- uh, personal one on that one. I'm hoping. I'm hoping I can put Windows 8 on. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, um, that, that's a pity. It would have been nice if that was an official. Uh, uh, <laughs> I like my job. <laughs> now, um, another another news and things we discussed last week. We were talking about the pricing of uh, of consoles. And one of the comments, I think it was you, Skip, was uh, was mentioning, hey, the uh, the current pricing on the PS3 just seems a little bit high, yep. out of alignment yep. with what the um, <laughs> with what the other devices are doing. Uh, once again, it, it seems like um, somebody's listening in because Sony announced uh, later in the week that they uh, they were dropping one hundred and fifty dollars off the price of their uh, PS3 consoles in New Zealand. Wow. Yeah, they did a they did a real good um, price sharpening exercise on those devices, which is, to be honest, is a really good move moving into Christmas because Xbox aren't going to come out with a new console this Christmas. No, they've got that new, so, they've got the new product line coming out. So they're basically yep. going to be playing with, it's going to be a games war this Christmas. Yes. And so if you can get the flashiest games into the shelves in Christmas... The potential is that someone may buy a console on top of that if they are moved towards a certain type of game. Yeah. Especially if they're a new purchaser of the console into the console market. So it's going to be it's going to be a great Christmas because there's going to be some amazing titles come out. Yep. And I don't think there's there's any mistake in um, a current lull in the deployment of games at the moment. I think it's actually everyone's gearing up towards Christmas and it's just going to be an onslaught. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have what? Gears of Wars 3 from the Xbox platform. Gears of Wars 3, you're going to have Connect Disneyland for the kids, Connect Sports 2, Star Wars for Connect. Yeah, so oh, I've seen that's that. Coming out on, that's coming out PS3 as well, is it? Star no, Wars? No, that's Connect, mate. It's only for Connect. Yeah, it's going to make it a pretty competitive time um, over that sort of summer and Christmas shopping uh, season for sure. There's a, there's a new a, there's a new EA, EA Sports line for both both platforms coming out. I know that um, that that are going to have you know everything that you like around FIFA and all the bits and pieces. And don't forget that EA brought uh, PopCap a while back, and so they're going to they're going to really hit the markets with both a I'd say both PS3 and Xbox with the arcadey type games. So that's going to be another little, let's say, stocking filler. Yeah. Now, I think, we, look, as consumers, we're going to win uh, whichever way we look. I mean, at four seventy nine, I, I might seriously look at buying a PS3. I don't need a Blu-ray yes, player. It's four seventy nine for the one sixty gig yeah. model, and another hundred dollars for the uh, for the three twenty gig model. So uh, yeah, I mean that 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 is a you know is a game changer in terms of pricing. You know, when originally they were. Uh, they were 
what did they launch at? Skip, can you recall? It was sort of up around the uh, yeah, right, $900 range, wasn't right. it? So uh, we're now you know, virtually half what the launch price was, which is, is great. Yeah, it's really good. Now, just going to bat yeah. for the PlayStation 3, it is actually slightly edgier than the Xbox in terms of the New Zealand market. It does have the yes. TV and Z on demand stuff. Um, and it does have a, um, a free view decoder module that you can get for it. Which is what I'm thinking I might buy it for. Yeah. So yeah, the, that's, it, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. So really, at the end of the day, the PlayStation 3, I think, has done a good job in getting into this price range. And it will actually compel people to buy it like yourself, Brad. Yeah. I, I might seriously look at it because exa- exactly what I was thinking about. I mean, while we've got Roku, I, I would like to potentially put one of those and have a bit of a play with it. So, But yeah, it, it, it's not going to be... A feature thing. It's going to be a games battle this this Christmas. It will be a games battle. Yep. Good. Now, iTunes has been in the media a little bit with. Uh, uh, I don't know if you guys picked it up, but uh, the Herald and, and others have been talking a little bit about the in-app purchases that are that are possible, and it, and it's across multiple platforms, but uh, uh, on the iPhone and and so on is what's been uh, highlighted. And the Herald last week, we, you know, we're talking about uh, uh, kids playing on, say, the you know, their parents' phone. The parent thinking, well, that's no problem. They're just playing on the phone. It's a free app. Uh, but those um, those apps get linked back to uh, to an iTunes account where their credit card details exist, and kids are able to clock up, you know, tens or hundreds or thousands of dollars worth of bills on uh, virtual goods. Hey, um, quick question. So. When I go to buy something on iTunes, anything, whether I'm playing Smurfs or whatever the hell I'm doing, it prompts me to say, what's your password for your iTunes? And it, does, it doesn't do it once, it does it every time. Is that not what most people do, or am I doing something different? Yeah, no, you're right. That's uh, in it, iTunes, but yeah. when it comes to in-app app purchases, ah, gotcha. it okay. actually, I don't think it has that level of um, security, shall we say. Maybe they need to enforce that one. Cause well, there is a setting that allows you to stop in-purchase uh, in-game purchases okay. in the iPhone. I'm pretty sure it's there. You can go in and just sort of switch in-game purchases off. That's yeah. correct, yes. Yeah. Well, I think maybe the parents need to take a bit of, bit of responsibility here as well and not blame yeah. Apple, you know, which is what the paper no, was doing no. at the time. So, yeah, so I think it's just, just important for people to be aware of the fact that, you know, as you, there's more and more technology coming in all around us and I think people often you know, take it quite lightly. Oh, yeah, I'll just get this little device and that and plug it in and, and don't really know a whole lot about it or get much advice, you know, and I see that sort of thing happen in the business world a lot where people just grab all sorts of things and, you know, hope that they'll randomly somehow fit together for their, you know, for their business without making a, a strategic decision. But, you know, even in the home when you're buying these things, um, it is important to sort of think through those things about security, about um you know how your money's going to get spent and so on. So uh, that's that's definitely one of the tricks for uh, for new players in the uh, um, in the space of of you know these free games in a lot of cases on various platforms. Uh, yeah, be cautious and uh, as Skip says, you can you can actually turn off that in app purchasing within iTunes. So uh, yeah, worth a look. Now uh, Pacific Fiber and Vodafone they've made an announcement this week. Yeah, so um, with yeah, Vodafone's pretty much going to be one of their biggest customers until 2014 or 15, I think it is. Well, yeah. it kicks off in 2014. Oh, 40, it's a sorry. Two-year, 
10-year deal. So, yeah, what we did here recently was that the um, the launch of this new fibre optic uh, connection between um, uh, the US, New Zealand and Australia has been pushed back. And originally we were expecting it uh, late 2013. Uh, it's now early 2014. Uh, but... Yeah, that, that's, so they've signed up Vodafone in a 10-year deal as their biggest customer, I understand. And that's just uh, that's just Vodafone New Zealand. Now, are you guys aware, have uh, Pacific Fibre announced any Australian partners yet? As yes. far as I'm aware of, there's only one that's been announced. Is that correct? Yeah, it's, it's, is it IINet? Is that the correct way? That's right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so there's still a lot more uh, potential customers for them to sign up. But if you look at you know some of the big ones that they've signed up, including IINet and uh, obviously Vodafone, um, they're they're probably you know reasonably uh, close to uh, uh, you know to having funds um, you know coming in over you know the ten year or or you know first ten year lifespan of their uh, their cable. Uh, that would fund the bulk of their build cost, which I think is coming in at around uh, is around four hundred million dollars um, to uh, to put in that fiber optic cable. Wow, seems cheap to me. Yeah, HP can waste what ten billion. So wow, that's cheap. Yeah, that's right. We could make it out of iPad. Uh, the not iPads, <laughs> the HP tablets. Well, well, interestingly, when you when you look when you look at it, the um, the existing uh, Southern Cross cable that runs uh, the same route, but it uh, it's redundant, so it actually does it twice in a loop. Uh, and you know, I guess it's only possible for Pacific Fibre to do their single one because there is there is another option on the market that um, that ISPs can use as a backup. Um, I understand that out of Telecom's recent profit announcement, seventy million of that was the uh, their profit from their fifty percent shareholding in in the uh, existing cable. Wow. So there's a fair chunk of money being, uh, you know, being spent in those in those connections each year. It would be interesting to know the exact uh, numbers. I haven't looked them up, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, uh, you know, if they're heading in the direction of, uh, you know, that four hundred million dollar build cost in terms of annual revenues. All right. So, uh, what's next on the uh, what's next on the agenda, guys? Um, uh, Samsung. They're allowed to play again with the big boys. Yeah. Yes, that's interesting, isn't it? So the tablet was blocked from being sold in um, in the EU. I think also there were some issues in Australia. Uh, what's happened with that? Um, so basically at the moment they, they were sort of getting, I think Apple took an injunction to not allow them to come in because they claim now if I remember correctly, they claimed that they, they had copied the look and feel of the iPad. That's right. And they, they had this injunction and they got it and they basically stopped Samsung from coming in. That was what they originally did. Samsung came out and went, nah, stuff you. We're going to do it anyway. Um, and, and then they also got this in Germany as well, because the Germans are quite uh, very similar to Australia with that whole the law and the IP law. And then um, from what I can understand, um, that's all been overturned, and Samsung allowed to start bringing it in now legally, well, without breaking the law, if you like. Right, but I heard uh, Germany was excluded from that, that maybe Correct. that uh, Samsung can't, can't sell them in Germany just yet. Yeah, no, this is only in Australia. I don't know what's happened in Germany. I don't know what's happened in the rest of the EU because they were also looking at taking injunctions there. And also a, a law, uh, in Korea, what was it? In Korea, there's a lawyer over there that's won about four or five big 
cases against Apple recently, and he's doing another one now around the Wi-Fi snooping for another, like I think it's like 10 billion, no, 10 million US dollars, sorry, 10 million USD. Um, I can't remember what it was in, in the Korean dollars, but literally he just keeps winning all these battles, and he's known um, as the Apple lawyer because he keeps winning every time, and, and Apple just keep paying him out because it's cheaper. Rather, It's not like a billion dollars, it's only in the millions, so apparently it's just cheaper than going to court over there because the Korean law is really tight. So Apple's having a bit of a tough time at the moment with the, with the law and everything going through. Oh, that's that's interesting. Well, I mean, yeah, they, they're certainly, uh, they carry a lot of clout and, uh, yeah, I can understand them wanting to protect their uh, their market space by all means possible. So, uh, understood. Now, last week we were talking about uh, Wi-Fi heading um, to New Zealand's largest school, Rangitoto College. And interestingly, we were actually corrected uh, by one of our listeners uh, online afterwards who highlighted that New Zealand's largest school is actually the correspondent school of New Zealand. Oh, thank so, you. Uh, so, yeah, apologies for our mistake there. I'd uh, probably to... reasonably hard for the correspondent school to roll out um, free Wi-Fi for all their students. Um, that, that would be a bit of a challenge. I understand they've got about 9,000 students spread around uh, not just New Zealand but, uh, but internationally, so uh, quite interesting. Now... Uh, LinkedIn, we were going to chat about them. Um, it's been interesting just keeping a little bit of a watch on them since they launched on the uh, on the share market a few, uh, about three months ago. Uh, they launched with a valuation, I think, of about $3.5 billion US, which is pretty interesting for uh, for a company that's that's making you know very, very little profit uh, at the moment. Uh, and I think they had about 100 million members at that stage. Well, they've doubled or tripled that figure they've been bouncing around i think they're worth around seven billion at the moment um and their membership's up to 115 120 million members now are you guys both uh, both on linkedin i am indeed yep yep so i mean it just seems to be a uh, you know the sort of social network that that people uh you know professionals join up to and it seems to be growing at a at a fairly rapid pace. But I did some quick numbers and and calculated out um, how much uh, value LinkedIn has got out of both of you. Um, and I'm able to tell you that between you, you're worth 120 dollars to LinkedIn. <laughs> wow! <laughs> so, uh, so so I took that by taking their uh, their market their market cap with you know. A, a, potential way of valuing the company and dividing it by the number of members so apparently everyone at the moment's worth around uh, $60 each although I think you know if we look at it a bit more realistically people probably have put that uh, or given them that value uh, based on where they see the the, uh, the company and the uh, LinkedIn's membership growing over over the coming years so it's probably somewhat unrealistic but um yeah, I, th- I thought that was interesting. Anyway, now I was uh, there was a conference in the states recently. Um, was it going digital or something? It was um, one one guy was doing it over there, and um, they had Mark Andreessen on the on the conference talking. Now he doesn't normally no. go up front anymore these days. I mean, he is. Um, I mean, his claim to fame is uh, Netscape. Uh, he is seen as one of the. I guess godfathers of the internet, really. Um, but he he keeps to himself these days, and he is doing a lot of investment. And he actually, I think he actually mentioned LinkedIn as probably the one company that he would invest money into. 
Like he actually thinks LinkedIn has a really good future. Yeah, look, I suppose for me, I, I'm, I use Twitter quite a bit and Facebook. So I use clients that do both. I'm not a big Facebook user. My wife uses it more than I do. But I find that I, I don't log into LinkedIn for like a week or two and you have like 40 requests and I need some way to merge everything together. I know look, I know on my Windows phone I can merge it and read everything now, which is kind of cool, but it's a bit. It's just, it's actually quite a bit of time to keep everything, the maintenance. What do you? How do you guys manage LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Google Plus, that we all sort of trying to do at the moment? Uh oh, Skip's looking at me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I th- I think it, I think that's where Google Plus looked interesting to me because you have one social network that would cover uh, across both you know both bases, and you'd be able to do both your. Um, you know your business stuff as well as your personal so yeah, that's one of the areas i see you know uh, google plus having some potential if if that sort of groundswell uh, towards them keeps going you know we talked about that in recent weeks that yeah maybe they weren't going to make that step forward but um let's see what are your thoughts skip I um, look at the end of the day for me. It's the tools that I use on my computer. I mean, I'm going to have, I'm always going to have links to multiple networks. And at the moment, what I really love is how Microsoft are doing it with uh, the live messenger tools, being able to link uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, and uh, Facebook, and M- obviously MSN Messenger, which I don't think anyone uses for MSN Messenger anymore. No. Um, but it it ties all that stuff together, and I can actually maintain conversations in all the social network spheres with my desktop live messenger account and on my Windows Phone 7 seamlessly between them. And I think it's tools like that that's going to actually help me conquer these networks more than anything else yeah and i think android and iphone are starting to do that as well now we're starting to see that integration coming across in those platforms as well because i I think while you mentioned google plus paul i think the one thing is is that there's all these other dominant platforms now like linkedin and, and and obviously facebook and twitter and that's the battle Google Plus has got at the moment. It's got to somehow take people away from the, the LinkedIn's and everything. And if they can somehow pull a feed in from LinkedIn, again, that would be a gold mine. That would actually make me think, oh, maybe I'll go Google Plus permanently now because I can still have my LinkedIn and I can still have my Twitter. I don't have to get rid of them, which is what I've spent a lot of time building up those networks. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's a good point. Well, as, I mean, as far as LinkedIn goes, you know, I've started using it more over the last... Uh, the last few months, I mean, it used to be that I had a LinkedIn account, but it didn't mean anything to me. Uh, but I'm actually starting to see some, you know, see some uses for it, and uh, you know, find it is a good place to sort of, you know, connect with people, and you know, certainly on that business front. So, on that basis, uh, today um, we've launched a new group called NZ Tech. Uh, that's on LinkedIn. Um, so if anyone wants to come along and, and join in, now it's not just for NZ Tech Podcast members, but you know anyone associated with tech in New Zealand is, is welcome on board. Uh, but that's um, that's online now, so uh, so feel free to look it up. And we'll include a, um, a link to that also on the nztechpodcast.com uh, site, which will have the notes from uh, from this episode if you're uh, if you're wanting to look that up and uh, and jump on board. Yeah, I saw I had a lot of invites in my inbox today while I was building this, the stand. I'm going, oh, Paul's obviously at home working really hard at the yeah. moment. <laughs> <laughs> Get that social networking going, Paul. Faster, faster. Well, you know, you have to do, I had to do something from my deathbed today. Oh, oh. you girl flu. <laughs> no, no. Um, no. Seriously, though. Um, back, back, onto, uh, back onto our topics now. 
Brad, you need you need to fill us in on Tiki because uh, that's what's happening this week. I guess it's New Zealand's biggest technology conference. Yes, comes around once a year. Uh, like Christmas. The last few days, that's what you've been you've been kind of working on getting it set up. Uh, I'm hoping that I'll be well enough to uh, to head down there and, and catch the keynote and the various sessions over the next few few days. Um, yeah, can you can you tell us a little bit um, a little bit of what we're going to catch down there? Okay, so TechEd's happening uh, in Auckland tomorrow. Um, runs for three days. There are 2,900 attendees, so it's actually bigger than Australia. Um, no matter what they like to brag about, the reality is is that we have about two to three hundred Australian people come across because this one is actually done really nicely. Um, it's at Sky City. Um, and then we also take over three other hotels are in the area as well because that's our overflow into all the key, all the rooms. Um, this year we've actually got a, a gentleman called Norm Judah um, who is actually an amazing speaker. I've actually met him and, and, and seen him speak quite a few times and he's very charismatic. Um, extremely smart, reports straight into Steve Barmer. And we've also got David Kirk as well. So uh, there's a good opening session um, coming through. A quick text come in from the girls at TechEd. Um, if you are going along tomorrow to TechEd, uh, bring your forms. It's going to be absolutely manic registering there. There's about 40 booths for everyone to go in, but get there early. Um, it's going to be crazy. We're, we've got some other bits and pieces that we're, getting, we're building tomorrow. Um, and there's just lots there. I think this year we've gone a lot of different devices, a lot of things to, for people to play with. Hands-on, Connect, uh, Rugby World Cup games, Connect Sports 2. Um, we've also... We've, what, what, yeah, what else are we going to see up at, uh, at TechEd? What would be the, the highlights to expect, Brad? Um, we have this ginormous 10 by 10 by 10 box coming from Dell, and it's called the Alienware Pod. Oh, awesome! And we we look. We, we've had a few. We've just we've had to wait for the guys to come in. So we've got the spot ready for it. We're going to be unpacking it. I'm probably going to do it tomorrow night, about nine p.m. tomorrow night, because I'll I'll have it for day two and three. Um, the other one, if look, this is this is not a practical device, but Bang and Olsen and Acer have designed this Chrome laptop, which is about one and a half foot wide. It is massive, and it's about ten to fifteen kilos. But I have never, I mean, it's just the most unique, unpractical laptop I've ever seen. But it's got Blu-ray, 5-in-1 sound, and it's just stunningly, it's just beautiful. But if you had kids, it'd be no good because you've got fingerprints. So that's quite, it's some interesting stuff there. There's lots of tablets and slates and Samsung Series 9 devices everywhere. Um, a lot of HP. Um, there's a lot of touch screens. There's a Kinect stand, which is all integrated in. And the guys from Playtech, um, huge ups to them. $6,000 3D immersion rig that they wheeled in this afternoon. The case alone is worth 1500 bucks. just the case. This thing is wow. stunning. It's absolutely stunning. It's the goggles there, and we've got their famous fish tank PC, which is just, I love it. I requested that one. Um, but, yeah, no, there's, there's some amazing stuff. There's also, we've got a lot of other vendors around. We've got Veeam who's been a big VMware um, integrator, is now working with Microsoft on Hyper-V and System Center. Um, HP are there, um, and the rest you're going to have to come along and have a look. Wow, so, sounds good. Now, who, who's the target audience for TechEd? Well, you know, who are the people that usually attend, and what sort of content do they, do they come for, other than seeing all the latest and greatest, you know, uh, you know hands-on with, with uh, devices and technology? You know, what else is there? 
there's, there's three audience segments that I look at it. There's your IT pros. So this is people that work with the IT um, every day. Um, your sysadmins, right up to your architect level. Um, these are the people that work and design and implement. There's your developer community, which obviously for, there's a lot of developer tracks. But we've also got a lot, uh, there's a lot of tracks now for what we call your ITDM or your IT decision makers. And these range from your IT managers right up to CIOs. And there's particular streams for them as well to come along and look at things like, um, you know, what does the cloud mean for a business? How does it migrate? And all that sort of stuff from a business layer. So there's different, there's three different layers. Um, but if you're a complete utter geek like me, then you're going to have a great time. There's so many tracks this year. There's so much digital content. Uh, TechFest is going to be amazing. Um, you'll know which room I designed at TechFest, hopefully. I'll tell you next week if you can guess it. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty obvious exactly. when you get in there. Um, but, yeah, that's a quite a cool room as well. So, yeah, TechFest is going to be good fun. Wow. Sounds, sounds great. All right. Now... Um that's just that's just about us for this this episode. Uh, the the only other bit uh, that I can see on the list is a bit of gadget news and a little bit of an outage that's happened. So, uh, in terms of uh, the gadget, well, not exactly gadget. Well, laptop, I guess, is a gadget. Uh, I've been playing around with the ThinkPad X1 over the last couple of weeks, and I guess the X1 is. Uh, ThinkPads or Lenovo's sort of latest uh, laptop that targets that sort of you know traveller who wants a reasonably uh, powerful laptop, but that it's uh, it's not too big and heavy to carry around. Uh, so the X1 has a uh, 13.3 inch screen. It's got a really nice uh, one of these sort of flatter uh, keyboards, much much like what you see on the MacBook Pro. Okay, uh, has. Built-in 3G, which I find extremely handy, not having to, you know, plug in extra things. You, it's got a SIM card slot there in the back. You just uh, push your SIM card in, and away you go. Uh, and it has an SSD, so it's very, very fast to, uh, you know, to boot up Windows. Uh, you know, you're talking sort of, um, you know, the Windows bit of the the boot is about 10 seconds. Hey, Paul. Uh, so, very nice device. Quick question for you, mate. So you you just mentioned there, quick boot with Windows. What happens if yep. I've got Linux? We know Linux is fast to boot already. Does this accelerate, or does, do I still have my same boot times? It's, I, I actually don't know on this one. Yeah, that, that's a really good question. Um, I, I guess you know the reason Windows can take um, can take a long time to boot are the different things that are going on there, but pulling a lot of information up off disk. And because there's less info to pull up, then it boots quicker. Um, you know, the Linux builds typically don't have quite so much stuff to load in, so therefore a quicker. So in terms of the acceleration, it might not be as much, but you know, any operating system will generally boot quicker if it comes off a um, off one of these solid state disks rather than a you know traditional hard drive with the you know spinning moving parts. Hey, um, just quickly, I, I know we're winding up, but I've just had a quick tweet from Mary Jo Foley. Um, she just said that the, Mary, uh, the Microsoft opens up the Windows fa- uh, Phone Mango app floodgates. The marketplace is open for business for Mango apps as of August the 22nd. Yep, yep. So that's all, guys. So anyone that's in there and they're an app developer, uh, you can get in and start um, start submitting uh, those uh, those Mango Windows Phone 7.5 apps. 
Um, there is a little gotcha in there, which which I'm sure those who are interested in it will will have kept up with. That once you've done that, you can't uh, keep producing updates for people that are on the original Windows uh, Phone Seven uh, release. So any previous release will be locked in, and then all your new versions will be targeted at users with the Mango release. So just something to be aware of. Hey, I've I've, I've got a I've actually got a discussion question for the group here actually. Um, what do you think about? And this is this is my personal opinion. Okay, I want this stated out in the public. What do you think? Do you think Microsoft should look to buy HP's PC division? Oh. Put it out there. Think about it. I mean, it would give them the control of the hardware, like Apple. They could do a lot of interesting things. They've got the dosh to do it. What do you think? I mean, what, let's put it. Let's have a quick chat about this if we can for two minutes. Yeah, I. For me, the the whole idea was with Microsoft is they're one of the last corporate operating system companies that don't have um, hardware attached to their brand. Now, I mean, that's, that seems to be a reasonably significant thing because if you're partnering with a lot of vendors, hardware vendors to make uh, product, uh, it might be seen as a little bit of a, um, a competitive ballpark if you're actually making something that's competing against the guys you're partnering with. Um, and I think uh, the fact that they've done a partnering with Nokia sort of clearly shows that they're keen to work with people they're not keen to actually work on the actual um, uh, hardware itself. And let's, let's face it, hardware's a fool's game at the moment. Anyway, it's a, it's a loss leader. I mean, you're not going to make a lot of money out of hardware. No, I don't think Microsoft would go in and suggest to make money out of just that particular division. I think they'd probably go in to do... They have that signature range of PCs, which we saw in the US, which allowed them to really customise. I mean, these things were 30 to 40% faster because they've actually sat down and completely tweaked and made them work, just like Apple do with their devices, and I'm sure Google are doing with the um, Honeycomb stuff because they've made right. that a bit more proprietary. And I, I would like to see that because I think one of the big problems that PC users have is their user experience is really bad because it's such so, so much bloatware, and, and they and people go, oh, it's so slow, and, and you know because it's loading about fifty different applications on boot, and I just would like to see something come out where we've got we're raising the bar. Right. That, that's what I'm thinking about there. So, but the flip side of that is you've got to keep Dell, IBM, yeah. Acer, Ace, yeah. all those other vendors happy. And, and I think Apple doesn't have to deal with that. Google are going to have to do that with the Motorola thing. I don't know how they're going to do that. Uh, look, hey, the we've got three different Windows Phone Seven devices here, and this clearly shows a really good partnership operation with Microsoft because I can touch, pick up any one of these phones and have exactly the same experience. Yeah. So I think Microsoft probably on a good thing at the moment. Maybe you're right. Maybe the hardware could actually help them in the future. But um, I mean, they've certainly shown shown their hand a little bit on hardware, especially when it came to doing tablets, because obviously we don't have the courier in our hands. They basically pulled the plug on that, said it's not going to work because we want a specific set of hardware. So maybe next year we might see some of that. Who knows? Okay. No, that's cool. So now this week we've had an interesting outage. And, I mean, there have been a lot of outages we've covered, I guess, since, since we launched the NZ Tech podcast earlier on in the year. Uh, this is, is one I, I guess we probably weren't expecting. Uh, Office 365, that's only, only just launched in, uh, in the last couple of months, that's had its first outage, I think, uh, limited to the U.S., area brad what have you heard about this so my oh, i've got everything from external at this point in time uh it was a three hour three hour outage from what i heard um this meant that microsoft had to pay what they call credits which is basically re- uh, 
give people money back for the service. Um, I've only heard US. Um, I know that obviously the Dublin lightning strike that we spoke about a few weeks ago yep. may have also given a, a small outage to a few customers over there as well. Yep. Um, but this is the biggest outage they've had on Office 365. They had some with BPOS a year and a half ago. Um, but... I would have expected that with BPOS. I don't know what the causes of the Office 365 one. I, I've literally, I'm not in that loop at this point in time. Um, but I've, ne- I've seen no official PR coming through as well. So yeah, I, I did see, uh, I did see some news come through online, and I don't know if it's been verified. That was pointing to a Cisco network fault. Now, I mean, this is very interesting because the way that Office 365 is architected, uh, it's designed to operate in a manner that you know, one bit of one bit of uh, equipment or even an entire data center can go down and it sh- should keep running. So I'm sure there'll be some lessons learned for this and uh, some changes made to minimize the chance of this ever happening again. Yeah, uh, and but, I, they, they can't. And I mean, I suppose they just we just can't have this with any cloud service. And, you know, if, if Microsoft really wants to be serious in the space... They're gonna they're gonna have to make sure that they they just don't have these outages. You just cannot have it when people start putting their businesses in there in the, in the cloud no, no. at all. I mean, we saw the uh, you know Amazon had some uh, you know some struggles in a in week or two prior. Um, but yeah, you know if people are going to move their whole operations over, and you know, fortunately this one didn't affect anyone uh, in our region in the Asia Pacific region where you know there's the main data center for Office 365 in Singapore. And then if that goes offline, you know you've got the backup one in uh, in Hong Kong. So, you know, you know, fortunate here, but uh, it it does just leave that extra bit of uncertainty around moving systems to the cl- to the cloud when when you hear of those sort of outages. Now, was it was it the entire US that was out? Or was it only a small proportion of the US? Do we know that? I can't remember. I don't think it was everyone in the US, was it? Skip shaking I- his head at me. No. Yeah, I don't think we've been. I mean, I don't think we've been given clear, clear details on that. Uh, there was also uh, an outage that impacted uh, some users of uh, Microsoft CRM Online as well, which apparently was unrelated. Yeah, look, I think this is one we should follow up with next week. Um, we should see if we can get um, some response from the Microsoft guys, chase them down at TechEd, see what's going on there. We'll, if we can get something, we can come back to users. Uh, it'd just be nice to learn a little bit more and see if we can dig into it. It's always good to find out. I mean, the other organizations have been very um, public, forthcoming with what the problems were. I think we, yeah. need to, we need to drill that in and see what we can get out. Yeah, and, and I think uh, from some of the stuff I saw online, uh, they did make that information available reasonably quickly, so there, there is a bit more info out there that uh, probably we haven't had a chance to, uh, you know, we don't have a chance to cover tonight. But uh, yeah, maybe we can uh, we can get a little bit more even even directly uh, from some of the folks at TechEd. So uh, yeah, that'll be good. All right. Oh well, thanks for um, thanks for taking the time to discuss that, guys. Um, that brings us towards wrap up time. Excellent. Well, uh, thanks everyone for listening in. That's been the NZ Tech Podcast for another week. Um, if you want to stay in touch, look us up, nztechpodcast.com. Uh, we'd love to have your comments there. Also, of course, facebook.com slash nztechpodcast. And you can find us Twitter at nztechpodcast as a handle there. So uh, look look forward to uh, hearing from you through those channels and look out for that new NZ Tech group on LinkedIn. So thanks very much. That's that's us, and uh, we look forward to uh, uh, talking with you again, uh, everyone, next week. 
Yep, and I look forward to seeing everyone at TechEd, and I will officially announce now that I have over a 1,000 T-shirts to give away, six Xboxes, and two microservers throughout the week. So we have swag. We have lots of it. See you at TechEd. Come and find me. I'm the tall, geeky guy with glasses. Ciao, everyone. (laughs) See you later.